your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Thursday's edition of the Lockdown Raiders Podcast, July 29th, 2021. Your boy Q here with you as always. You know you can find me on Twitter at your boy Q254. Definitely appreciate anyone and everyone who reaches out, either a direct message, a tweet, a follow. Either way, it is all good, and I definitely appreciate it. Got a lot for you coming up on today's show. Really been enjoying what I've been doing on Raider Nation Radio 920 and really happy with all the feedback that I've been getting by way of the podcast and, of course, on the radio station in general. And Raider Nation, you represent in a major way, so thank you off top. Coming up on today's show, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, the number 707-654-4693. Lots of good feedback. That's coming up in segment number three. Segment number two, it is that time of year again. Not talking about training camp, even though, well, we know it is training camp time of year. But it's that time when every single year about this time, Mike Sando from The Athletic, he puts out a great piece on quarterbacks' tiers. And, and what I mean by that is where they rank, tier one, tier two, tier three, or tier four. He does it every year, and he does a great job. And luckily for me, I was able to have him on the radio station on Wednesday to break it down. So his piece on The Athletics called 2021 NFL Quarterback tiers 50 coaches and evaluators rank the league starters lots of good stuff to unpack so if you have not read it definitely go read it but in segment number two we're going to talk about it going to talk about where Derek Carr's ranked going to talk about where other quarterbacks in the AFC West are ranked going to talk about what I agree with and what I don't agree with and since he was on the radio station on Wednesday uh, I'll let you hear a couple sound bites from what he had to say as far as how some of these evaluations actually came to be really really good stuff like I said it's one of my favorite articles that I read each and every year on The Athletic and was just really blessed that uh, Mike Sanders was able to give me a few minutes of his time on Wednesday on Raider Nation Radio 920 to kind of break it all down. You're not going to hear the whole interview, but you will hear a few pieces here and there. So that's segment number two. Here in segment number one, news and notes of the day. There's some transactions that the Raiders made. Uh, Some players were made available to the media on Wednesday. I was not there. I was filling in for Clay Baker on the morning show. It was myself and and Hondo Carpenter on Wednesday, and it's going to be myself and Hondo Carpenter again today as Clay Baker's out again. Will he be back on Friday? I'm not too sure, but your boy is done double dipping. And I'll tell you right now, man, they gave me this job and now they're working me to death, right? And, and that's okay. I mean, that's that's how I like it. I, I like to work, work, work. It shows your value. But man, they got me going. So I'm doing double duty again today, morning show and then afternoon. So it'll be uh, Pritch and Clay, but we're really, we're starting to call the show the morning tailgate. That's what we're going to try to lean towards, the morning tailgate. And then I'll be doing Unnecessary Roughness. So 7 to 10 a.m. on uh, Pacific Standard Time and then 2 to 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time uh, that I'll be doing on Raider Nation Radio 9. 20. But uh, yeah, news and notes of the day. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. Off top, the transactions for the day wasn't very many. Uh, the Raiders had their first day of actual practice. Of course, on Tuesday, John Gruden met with the media, but Wednesday, they were actually out there practicing. Now, it was not a padded practice. It wasn't full speed, but it still was a pretty spirited, according to Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also Raider Nation Radio 920. He said it was a pretty spirited uh, practice and that he saw guys that were you know moving around pretty quickly, a lot more uh, you know energy behind it than they had in OTAs. So, 
Almost everybody participated for the Raiders outside of two running backs. Actually, it was three running backs that didn't participate. Kenyon Drake was out there, but he didn't do anything. He was off to the side with the trainer. Well, the Raiders put him on the non-football injury list, and a lot of folks were like, oh, no, he's injured. Oh, what's really going on? They gave him this money, talked all this hype about what he's going to do, and now he's already injured. He can't even go out there and practice. Well, uh, according to what Vinny told me, he said that uh, he's going to be out there on Friday. So he said he just has a little bit of a tweak here. It's not a big deal. Deal. He should be out there on Friday, according to multiple people throughout the uh, the organization. So I wouldn't really trip off Kenyon Drake being on the non-football injury list. He should be back out there, according to Vinny Bonsignor, should be out there on Friday. Now, this is the concerning part. Players placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. You're seeing it all across the league. Well, Jalen Richard. He's on the reserve COVID-19 list and Theo Riddick also on the reserve COVID-19 list. And uh, I'm not getting political. I'm not talking vaccinations and all that other stuff. But Jalen Richard has been very, very vocal about where he stands on the vaccination and and what he feels about vaccinations. So really no surprise that he's on the reserve COVID-19 list. Hopefully both those guys get better sooner rather than later. And they're both able to get out there and practice and participate. And I'll tell you right now, and I've said this multiple times, and even though it technically doesn't sound correct, if it comes down to one or two spots on the roster and one guy's vaccinated and the other guy's not, Guess who's probably going to get that spot if they're about the same talented guy and probably making about the same amount of money, even if one guy's making a little bit more than the other, probably the guy that's vaccinated is going to make the team as opposed to the guy who's not. So Jalen Richard, Theo Riddick, both need to get out there and practice uh, as, as soon as they can. And again, hopefully they're, they're not being affected by it and they're, they're feeling okay. And it's just a, a minor setback and they can get out there and practice at some point. But those were the transactions that the Raiders made on Wednesday. Now, I told you that multiple guys from the team were made available to the media. Uh, John Gruden, he talked on Tuesday. Well, on Wednesday, quarterback Derek Carr talked, defensive end Max Crosby, center Andre James, linebacker Nicholas Morrow, and wide receiver Henry Ruggs III all talked to the media. Uh, I was not there again. I wish I was, but I wasn't there on on site because I was doing the morning show with Hondo Carpenter. So uh, I wanted to play a couple sound bites, and I'm not going to play sound bites from everybody, and I'm sure not going to play all the the media sessions from all those guys. You can go to Raiders.com and check that out. Uh, You can also check out LV Sports network.com of course we got that for you as well but let's go ahead and jump into a couple quick sound bites uh, i'm going to play a couple from henry ruggs and the first one was just about what he's done this offseason to try to improve and and be able to go out there and be the best henry ruggs he can be in year two i mean it's just it's just just a lot of hard work i mean I, I put a lot of weight on my shoulders on like i said not only being being a leader but developing a a, a, a larger role in the offense and even on the team so I mean, I, I feel like, you know, myself, I'm, I'm motivated to, to do some big things this year. And, I mean, you know, Derek is the quarterback. He's the leader of the team right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm under him whenever I need to be. So there's second-year wide receiver Henry Ruggs talking about, you know, working really hard this offseason, wants to be a bigger role in the offense. I love how he said he wants to be a leader as well. He's not a very vocal guy. He's not a guy that's going to be out there and be demonstrative and, and be like, Carr, throw me the ball, throw me the ball, I need to have the ball. But just to hear that he wants to be a leader, I think that that shows something. That that shows some maturity in Henry Ruggs, and he's a guy who's put in a lot of work. I saw him at the Battle for Vegas, the charity softball event that went on at the Las Vegas ballpark on Saturday. Uh, that's the game that the Raiders defeated the Golden Knights, and 
he looked bigger. He absolutely looked bigger. And a lot of folks have said he's been really hitting the weights and he's been doing a lot in the offseason to try to bulk up a little bit and get a little bit stronger so he can get off of press coverage uh, in the, you know, during the season. And so uh, Vinny Bonsignor, he actually asked him if getting bigger was something that he intentionally did this offseason. Was that a point of emphasis? It was definitely, it was, it was my, my main focus. I mean, it's a, it's a man's game now. And, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest guy, but I have to, I have to, you know, get to where I can compete with, with grown men now. So, so that was one of my biggest, you know, biggest things that I hammered on was, you know, getting bigger, eating all the time, and just hammering down in the weight room. And I mean, from from people saying, you know, I look noticeably bigger, so. I guess it's paying off. Again, just another sign of maturity right there from Henry Ruggs just saying, hey, it's a grown man's game. I got to get stronger. I got to get bigger. Uh, you know, I'm not playing with boys anymore. I'm out there playing with men. And and, and to be a factor and be that guy, he's got to he's got to uh, dedicate himself and make sure that his body is, is right. And so uh, I just think that that's really good for a young dude to be able to understand that and take that next step, especially after the, the lack of success that he had in year one. So that shows that he has the drive to be better. He wants to be better than what he should showed in year one and I really do respect that how about Andre James he's taking over for Rodney Hudson obviously he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders but he ain't got to go out there and be Rodney Hudson he's got to just be the best Andre James the team has shown that they have faith in him They've given him a contract extension, and I know he'll have a camp battle with Nick Bart Martin, and, and that's how it should be. you got to go out there and earn your, your job. But uh, he spoke to the media today, and he was asked about former Raider center Rodney Hudson, what he meant to him as a mentor, a teacher, and a friend. Here's Andre James talking about Rodney Hudson. Rodney was, you know, arguably, like you said, one of the best centers in the league. So every day I came in here, I just tried to get, you know, a little piece from him, a little information every day. And uh, that's just kind of the attack I still take on the day, just every day, just get a little better, just make, you know, just work on the little things and it adds up over time, get a little better. So everything I learned for him, I'm still using today. Whether the preparation throughout the game week, I, I, I prepared like a starter. So so now it doesn't feel any different. It always, it always in my mindset, I always went into it feeling like I was going to play that game. So that's still how I'm attacking it right now. So there is Andre James talking about Rodney Hudson, also talking about the way he prepares. Always prepared like he was going to play. Always prepared like he was a starter. And that's smart, you know, because they, you always hear coaches say, next man up, right? Well, Andre James obviously took that seriously. Hey, next man up. I could be the next man up. So I need to be ready, willing, and able when my time is called. And his time was called in 2020. He had to go out there and perform. And he did the best he could but it was obviously enough and they and they what he did in practice as well was enough to show the guys that he could take over that role and they could be comfortable with moving on from Rodney Hudson and letting this guy take over the center position of course you know he's got to go out there and put in the work now on the field but at least what it sounds like from Andre James he, he's saying all the right things and he was one of the guys that was out there in the park over the offseason he was one of those guys getting up early at the crack of dawn to get out there and put in work so he was asked if the chemistry in the park in the offseason helped him connect with not only his teammates but most importantly with quarterback Derek Carr oh for sure I mean you look at the guys that are, are there at the park training it's the guys that are out there playing on Sundays you know it means something to them so for to take you know to wake up at six o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday in the offseason you know to beat the heat and get out there on the field it shows a lot you know for how bad you want this so there's Andre James talking about the work in the park that they had getting up at 6 a.m building that camaraderie with the teammates Derek Carr and uh, more importantly I think really earning the respect of the the teammates that were out there as well all those guys showing that they want it really bad like he said the guys that are playing on Sunday those are the guys that are out there working and vice versa so uh, definitely respect that from Andre James you're not going to learn a whole lot from what he's doing out there the first week the first couple weeks really what you'll start to see from the offensive line and when you'll start to see something from that offensive line 
line is when they scrimmage against the Rams. When that happens, then it ought to be interesting just because, you know, well, it's a, it's a new offensive line, and that Rams defensive line is not going to just let them walk all over them. They're going to up there, and they're going to bow their necks and, and, and show who what they're made of. And, hey, young offensive line, see what you got. So that will be the, really the first time you're able to see what that offensive line really looks like. And I got one sound bite that I want to play from Nicholas Morrow, and then we'll take a break. And it's not even about, you know, him re-signing with the Raiders because he talked about that. It's not about his expectations on the linebacking room, even though he talked about that. It's about second-year linebacker Javen White. Does he see him getting bigger and better? He has. I mean, think about Javen. He's, he's, he's tall, but he's extremely athletic, and he's fast, and he plays with good bend. So you can you can put those combinations together. You figure out how to use your length. Obviously, he's not he's not as heavy, so he's a little bit light. So he's got to be able to use his length as leverage against blockers. So that helps. Um, but he's picking it up. He's, he's understanding the defense. Um, and his thing is just playing fast and putting that on display every game. So there's linebacker Nicholas Morrow talking about fellow linebacker Javen White and how he's just getting better going into year two uh, with the Raiders, going into year two in the NFL. And I brought him up not because he's been on the podcast, not because I'm rooting for the guy, but because he's a guy that could be some quality depth behind Corey Littleton, behind Nick Wachowski, behind Nicholas Morrow. He could be one of those guys. Tanner Muse, he's another guy that could be one of those dudes. And that's a guy that John Gruden talked about on Tuesday. That's what it's really about. You know, yeah, the, the guys that are starters, we all think are going to be really good. We all think that they're going to be a lot better. At least I, I think most of us think that they're going to be a lot better under Gus Bradley, uh, Ron, uh, Ron Milas, and, of course, Richard Smith, the linebacker coach. But what does the depth look behind the, the those guys, the starters? That's what I'm really interested in because that's when the Raiders start to break down is when they start to have guys that drop off, guys that get injured, and injuries happen every single year. You know, what do you have when your starter gets injured? That's my big question. So that's why I played that right there. Can Javen White fill that void to be a guy that can come in at a pinch when called upon. So uh, there's always obviously a lot more sound where that came from. Again, Derek Carr, Max Crosby, Andre James, Nicholas Morrow, and Henry Ruggs all spoke to the media. You can check it out on lvsportsnetwork.com or raiders.com. They have it on their YouTube page, all that good stuff. Plenty of sound from the Raiders on on Wednesday. Uh, later on after practice today, offensive coordinator Greg Olson will talk to the media and then uh, multiple uh, players will talk to the media as well. I will not be there again. I'll be doing the morning show, uh, the morning tailgate with uh, Hondo Carpenter from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. West Coast time. So uh, I'll be just listening like the rest of everyone's listening. At some point, I'll get out there during practice. But that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, going to talk about the different tiers of quarterback, according to Mike Sando from The Athletic. Really good piece that he puts out each and every year. We'll break it down. I'll talk about what I like, what I don't like. You'll hear from him a little bit. That's all coming up in segment number two. Before I get to that, though, I do want to tell you about rockauto.com. Been telling you about them for a very long time and you know I, there's so many things I could say about rockauto.com like they're a family business that's been serving auto park customers online for over 20 years I could tell you that it's really easy to go to the catalog and find all the parts you need for your car I could tell you that all the parts get delivered directly to your door so you never leave the house I could tell you a lot of different things about rockauto.com and every one of them is true it doesn't matter if your car is an old car a brand new car one that you just ride out of the garage on a Sunday and, and then put it back in the garage for the week there's all kind of different things I could say about rockauto.com but most importantly what I can tell you about rockauto.com is the prices. The prices are just as low for you as it is for professionals. And that's what matters. Not 30% more, not 50% more, sometimes 100% more. No, you're going to get the same prices that professionals get. That's what really matters. The parts are quality and they are delivered directly to your door. And the catalog is super easy to navigate and you can get parts for any single car. But again, 
the prices, the prices, the prices. That's what really matters. Don't pay over-the-top prices when you can get them for the same prices as professionals at rockauto.com. There's a box that says, how'd you hear about us when you're there? Just say Locked On Raiders Podcast. That's how they know that I sent you and I'm doing my job. Great selection, great low prices. All the parts your car's ever going to need is at one spot, and that is rockauto.com. Segment number two, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk about different tiers of quarterbacks. And this is according to Mike Sando from The Athletic. He does a really good job every year. He puts out this piece. And we talk about it here on the podcast every year. And if you're a new booty, then maybe this is the first time you heard me talking about it. But really good stuff. I always appreciate it. It's titled 2021 NFL Quarterback Tiers. 50 coaches and evaluators rank the league starters. Again, this is on The Athletic. So if you want to check it out, you can feel free. Again, really good good stuff. I do appreciate it. And before we get into it, it's funny because I had him on the, on the radio show on Raider Nation Radio 920 on Wednesday. I had him as a guest and I happened to have H from Albuquerque, who you've heard here on the podcast many times. Uh, he actually had called in and was talking about these tiers and how he didn't agree with all of them. Matter of fact, he was talking about Joe Burrow was ranked one spot ahead of Derek Carr. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. But First, I want you to hear from Mike Sandel because when he joined the show, we did talk about Carr. We talked about Burrow. We talked about a couple of players. And then I want him to just explain to everybody. Hold on. Let everyone know how you come up with these tiers because it's not just off the top of his head. Matter of fact, there's some of these quarterback rankings that he doesn't even agree with, and he says so in the interview. That interview you can hear in its entirety on uh, LVSportsNetwork.com. You can definitely check that out. But uh, I'm telling you, he just is doing this based off the data that he collects. But here's Mike Sando explaining how he came up with these tiers, tiers one through four, in ranking the quarterbacks, the starting quarterbacks across the league. Yeah, basically so – if you were a coach and I was calling you and we were going through all the quarterbacks, you, I'd be asking you to put the best guys in Tier 1 and the worst, I mean, you could be Tier 5. So what does that mean? The closer you are to Tier 1, the less help you're perceived to need from your defense, your running game, uh, your scheme, play action, that type of stuff, to, to win the game and function. So traditionally, you know, Mahomes, Rodgers, those are your clear-cut Tier 1. Mm-hmm. Tier two, I think you feel like you could still win the championship with this quarterback. He may be a pro bowler. And so in the past years, you know, Matt Ryan, when he had it going good, or Stafford to some degree, uh, they might be seen as a tier two. A tier three is still a good starting quarterback. You're probably going to get paid. I sort of think like four or five years ago, Andy Dalton was that perfect guy. When they were stacked around him and, and had a good defense, they were going to the playoffs and being 12 and four. And when they didn't have those things, people thought he wasn't very good. Um, but really, he was sort of the same guy the whole time. He's a tier three quarterback. He's going to look as good as what's around him is. And you go on down from there, you know, to where you're not even a starter if you get to tier five. So there's the explanation. I think it was very clear cut. So he was talking about tier one, tier two, tier three, and the lower tier you are, the more help you need. Basically, that's how you sum it up. Tier one, it's real easy, man. Those are the elite of the elite. So those are the guys, and he mentioned a couple of them, but let me go ahead and go through tier one really quickly. Aaron Rodgers. Then you have Patrick Mahomes. Then you have Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. And even though Deshaun Watson's got some things going on right now in his life, who knows how that's going to shake out. Those are the five guys that are in Tier 1. I don't think that there's any reason to really argue those. Some will say that maybe Deshaun Watson doesn't belong in the Tier 1, but I think you're splitting hairs. You know what I mean? Those guys are elite quarterbacks, I feel like, in the league. Tier 2, this is where it gets interesting. Josh Allen, he was uh, on the MVP kind of trail in, in 2020. 
20s, so uh, I, I don't have any problem with him being a Tier 2 guy. How about Lamar Jackson? Now, Lamar Jackson is dynamic with his legs. He is an outstanding athlete, and he's got a lot of room to improve when it comes to his arm talent. So uh, there's I can see arguments for that. Now, being a former league MVP, he's going to get put up in that position. Uh, there's some people think he's a Tier 1 quarterback. I don't see Lamar Jackson as elite. I see him as a really, really good quarterback who can – you know, work, work some magic when things break down. I'm not mad at him, but he does struggle a little bit when it comes to throwing the ball uh, on the boundaries. The, down the middle of the field, especially to the tight end, he really doesn't have any problem with. But to the wide receivers on the outside, he does struggle. So uh, one could say that that doesn't make sense for him to be at number seven, a tier two guy. Uh, he needs a lot of around him, including a really strong run game. This is where I started to agree. Tied for seventh is now Rams quarterback Matt Stafford because – for everything that Derek Carr catches, all the hell he catches because, well, he doesn't win enough. They haven't gone to the playoffs. They haven't made a run. And he's never even been in the playoffs. All that, whatever you want to say, hate him or love him, you, you talk about Derek Carr, it doesn't matter. Matt Stafford has won just about as much as Derek Carr. You know what I mean? I just, I, I'm trying to tell you, and I don't care. And people say, well, he was in Detroit. Okay. Well, Detroit really struggled, really didn't have anything around him. And, and they just aren't a winning organization. But many could say that about the Raiders for many of the years that Derek Carr was the quarterback too. I mean, he's going into year eight, but how much was the Raiders, you know, kind of a rotating door? How much talent did they have at certain times? You can make the same excuses you make for Matt Stafford. You can make those excuses for Derek Carr. A lot of Raider Nation doesn't want to give Derek Carr that slack. So why in the world would they give Matt Stafford so I don't agree with him being a tier two guy but we'll see this year and that was one of the things that Sando pointed out to me we'll see this year what happens with Sean McVay if they have all that talent and a really good head coach that can put you in a good position and you still can't win then it's no longer the the organization's fault it's now your fault uh Dak Prescott he was put in tier two I know some will argue that Cowboy fans will probably argue that Justin Herbert was put in, in tier two as, a, as number 10 overall I think that that might be a little fast I think he is a really good quarterback but you know, you, you see some quarterbacks really uh, take off their rookie year, and then all of a sudden they come down to earth. And he's going into a new coaching scheme, new coaching staff. Uh, how's he going to adapt to that? I know he's a smart dude. He's a talented dude. But let's really see what he does in year two. So maybe they put him in, in tier two a little too quickly. But he came in number 10. Matt Ryan, number 11. He was a former MVP, went to a Super Bowl. He didn't win it, but he's there. Kyler Murray, he's in at number 12, still a tier two guy. Don't know if I 100% agree with that, but okay, whatever. It is what it is. How about number 13, Ryan Tannehill? I think anyone who's listened to this podcast for a while knows how I feel about Tannehill. I don't think that he's really a big-time quarterback. I don't. I know that he's very much aided by Derrick Henry in that run game. But, uh, you know, Tennessee Titan fans will tell you, hey, he makes throws that Marcus Mariota, when he was there, wasn't making. So they believe in Tannehill more than I think the outside world believes in Tannehill. So he's at number 13. At 14, it gets interesting here. Joe Burrow didn't even play a full season. He comes in as a tier two quarterback. And remember, a tier two quarterback is a guy that they believe can win a championship and doesn't need that much help around him. I'll tell you what some help he needed. He needed an offensive line because he got blitzed and he got blew up in his uh, rookie year and ended up tearing his ACL. And I'm not celebrating an injury at all, ever. I would never do that. But uh, without that strong offensive line and some weapons around him, what does he have? And so that, that one kind of puzzles me right there. So he comes in at number 14, and he's the last Tier 2 guy. And then there's Derek Carr, who's at number 15, the beginning of Tier 3. And he's actually up five spots from what he was last year when he came in at number 20. So my guy H in Albuquerque didn't agree with Joe Burrow being ahead of Derek Carr. So here's Mike Sando uh, answering H's question. How in the world did Joe Burrow, after one season, not even a full season, end up in front of Derek Carr? It happens sometimes. I mean, Derek Carr was ranked seventh in the whole thing in 2017 when people 
uh, you know, were sort of envisioning this upside that they hoped was there. And then what's happened is they've seen multiple more years of Carr and think he's fine, but they no longer really see that he's going to go to the top tier. And I, I would agree, like, I would have him probably in the second tier myself on his production in the last couple seasons, and he's the highest guy in three. So, you know, you bump him one spot, I guess he's above Burrow then. But right. I think if you asked anybody in the NFL, like, they would take Burrow right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe that's a bad decision because you're basing it like the caller said on what you hope he becomes, right? Right. But that's what people do in the NFL. <laughs> that's why guys get picked early, and and sometimes you find out they're not as good um, as you hope they'd be for whatever reason. Right. I don't think there's hate for Carr, though. I mean, I think people have actually warmed the car. He was one mm-hmm. of the, he was kind of one of the risers this year compared to last. So there's Mike Sando right there from the Athletic talking about Derek Carr coming in at number 15 being the highest ranked tier 3 quarterback, not a tier 2 guy, but a tier 3 guy and if you're trying to remember exactly what a tier 3 quarterback is, he's a legitimate starter but needs a heavier run game and or defensive component to win. A lower volume drop back passing offense suits him best. And I think that that honestly describes Derek Carr to a T and that's okay to be middle of the pack. He's middle of the pack out of 32 starting quarterbacks. That's okay. He doesn't have to be top 10, top 5. He doesn't have to be elite of the elite to win games. He's shown that already. And, hell, if he goes out and wins some more games and and the defense helps him out and the running game is solid like we all expect it could be this year, then he'll be bumped up next year. But I think 15 is just fine. So I did ask him because I had someone tweet at me the question about Marcus Mariota, who a lot of people say is you know the best backup currently in the league and that there may be some teams that come after him in training camp because, well, they want him to be a starter. He wasn't on the list at all. But where would Sando put Marcus Mariota? Here was his thoughts. Yeah, he was in He was in it, I believe, last year or maybe it was the year before, um, and he had sort of fallen down into the Tier 4 range where people just aren't convinced that he's a full-year starter right. um, anymore. And that's sort of you know where he's at. I think that you know he just doesn't inspire you. Right. Uh, in a lot of ways. So you don't have a bunch of people thinking, I want to have that guy and have him be my starter because he hasn't always stayed healthy. He's not really a dynamic leader and he's just been okay when he's played. So there is Mike Sando right there talking about Marcus Mariota and where he'd put him on this list if he was on it. Basically, he'd be a tier four guy. He needs a lot of help. I don't know if there's going to be a team that's going to try to reach out. Marcus Mariota has a no-trade clause in his contract, so if he did get traded to a team, uh, maybe someone came and reached after uh, a guy got injured in training camp said, hey, we want him to be our starter. Uh, Marcus would have to approve that trade. The Raiders just couldn't move on from him. That was part of the restructure of his contract. So, uh, you know, I, I did want to ask him a few more questions about Derek Carr, but then I was also interested in the AFC West. And I could tell you all the quarterbacks that actually came in uh, behind Derek Carr in Tier 3. So let me go ahead and do that. That really quick because again he was the first quarterback in tier three so almost a tier two guy number 16 big ben roethlisberger number 17 baker mayfield kirk cousins comes in at 18 19 jared goff he just got traded from the rams to uh, the detroit lions so now he's at number 19 still a tier three guy carson wentz he just moved on from the eagles to the colts and the colts are getting a lot of love right well he's a tier three guy right there and uh, at some point maybe he could be a tier two guy again jimmy g comes in at number 21 he's also still a tier three guy Daniel Jones with the G-Man. I don't know how much I agree he's a Tier 3 guy, but he's a low Tier 3 guy. Ryan Fitzpatrick, number 23 overall. He's still in Tier 3, and that is the final Tier 3 guy. Now, 
So far, Tier 1 in the AFC West, Patrick Mahomes. Tier 2 in the AFC West, Justin Herbert. Tier 3 in the AFC West, Derek Carr. So that leads the Denver Broncos. Where are their quarterbacks, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater? Well, they're both very low on Tier 4. So here's Mike Sando's thoughts on Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. And I believe Teddy Bridgewater is probably a little bit better, but neither one of the quarterbacks are great. Here's Sando's thoughts on those guys. Yeah, most people like Bridgewater more than they like Locke and think that's the best direction for the team to go. I guess Locke you know, still has played less, so sometimes you can have a little bit of a hope that, oh, you know, he's going to develop into something. That's possibly true. I feel like Bridgewater, though, has kind of, like even some of his supporters, guys who really like him and have stood by him over the years, kind of admit that it's probably Tier 4 right now. He just didn't move the needle enough last year, so probably needs a lot of help, probably could be successful on a on a really good team. Is Denver that, you know? Uh, maybe, but... Um, you know, I, I don't know if they're willing to move on from Locke, you know, right away. Elway's not really running things, but he's kind of still around. That was his guy. Do they maybe give him a year? I think it's a fascinating question because if you're Vic Fangio, you got to sort of win. <laughs> right. And if I'm Vic Fangio, I want Teddy Bridgewater in the game because I feel like I could trust him more. You know, he's just more of a pro quarterback. So there's Mike Sando talking about the Denver Broncos situation at quarterback, and I say situation because they don't really have an answer yet. You either got Teddy B or you got Drew Locke. Both the guys are liabilities, in my opinion. I think Bridgewater is a little bit better, but Drew Locke's a little bit younger. So who knows who they're going to roll with? They're not getting Aaron Rodgers this year. That's something that we all know. Now, how I like to uh, you know bring this all together and lace this all up like some shoelaces is you look at these tiers, tier one through four, and you say, okay, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Tier one, probably the best team in the AFC West, right? Tier two, I know Justin Herbert got that bump, but Derek Carr was right there on the cusp of being that tier two quarterback. So he's right there. I believe what Justin Herbert was ranked 10th and Derek Carr was ranked 15th. So that's not that far off. And I do think that the Chargers and the Raiders are going to compete for that number two spot. And then the Denver Broncos are going to pull up the rear. So as much as we continue to talk about the defense, and it does need to be very much improved, it's still a quarterback leave. It's still an offensive league. And, you know, you kind of go as your quarterback goes. And the way that the player evaluators and the coaches across the league have ranked all the quarterbacks in the AFC West, it makes a lot of sense. I do believe the Chiefs are the best team in the division, followed by the Raiders and Chargers, or Chargers and Raiders, however you want to put it. It doesn't really matter. I think they'll compete for number two. And then Denver, even though they have a good defense, is going to pull up the rear. Just bottom line, because they don't know what their quarterback situation is like. Justin Herbert could drop a little bit. Derek Carr can boost a little bit. Any one of these teams could take that number one spot from Kansas City. But going into the 2021 year, you've got to believe that the Chiefs are the best team in the division. So I just thought that was an interesting article from Sando. I I read it every single year. I get excited by it. We discuss it here on the podcast. But I also think it's a great way to kind of look at the upcoming season, rank the quarterbacks, and rank the teams in the AFC West. So that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about betonline.ag and been talking about them for quite a while as well, and they got a lot going on, man. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sporting action. Of course, baseball season is in full effect. Joey Gallo, a Las Vegas native, who formerly was of the Texas Rangers, got traded to the Yankees on Wednesday. Uh, They're trying to bolster up their lineup. The Rangers got a lot of uh, prospects in return, and believe me, they need them because the Rangers – 
Their roster stinks. Uh, UFC, MMA, that goes on every weekend. The NBA draft is here. Before the next pitch, the next home run, the next knockout or submission, head on over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Get off the sideline. Get into the game. Head on over to the website on your mobile device or your laptop. Make sure you sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. How do you do that? Got to use the promo code locked on. That's betonline.ag, promo code locked on. Because betonline.ag is your online sportsbook experts. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and text straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's go ahead and start things off with a text from T-Sal in Seattle. It's a pretty lengthy text here. It says, Q, T-Sal up in Seattle here. I consider myself a realistic fan, and for most of the last decade, it's been clear to me we weren't a true contender. Even our 2016 run, we had very coin flip games on our way and easily could have gone 8-8. Eight and eight. That being said, I feel like the national sentiment towards the Raiders this year is way too negative. In my opinion, our defense performed like middle-of-the-pack squad last year about 95% of the time. The problem was the other 5% of the time, giving up big plays in obvious passing situations, not tackling before the sticks. Nothing's guaranteed, but a pillar of Gus Bradley's defense is keeping the play in front of you and avoiding the big plays. With our talent and a change of game plan, I don't think it's unrealistic to see a jump into the top 20 in defense. Also, losing Nelly, people are acting like we let Tim Brown go or something. The guy had his best season ever and put up 850 yards. John Brown has had better years, and frankly, I don't think we'll even need him to have those numbers with Ruggs and Edwards having a true offseason under their belt. Outside of Cleveland, I don't see a better one-two punch at running back after the Drake signing. Top 10 quarterback and probably best overall tight end room in the league. Offensive line is a little unproven, but lots of talent. If we just perform like our talent would expect us to, I think we're the clear number two team in the AFC West and should be right in the thick of the playoff race. Sorry for the long text. It feels like we're finally doing things right and the national media is using us as a punching bag. Tell me I'm onto something or tell me I'm crazy. Raiders. That's from T-Sal in Seattle. And I want to start off with that text because... Well, that just kind of puts a bow on top of the conversation we just had in segment number two. Just broke it down, tier one through tier four, and T-Sal basically said the same thing. I think that the Raiders could be the clear number two team in the AFC West, and I do think that they could be that number two team as well. I do think they're going to compete with the Chargers, but the one thing we know about the Chargers, what do they do every year? They have high expectations going into the season, then they get snake bit with about 35 injuries, and boom. Bang and nothing. <laughs> they end up losing a bunch of games. And so the Chargers end up finding a way to charger it up. There's a reason why we say that. So, yeah, I can absolutely see that. So, T-Sal, thank you so much for that. Uh, I think that uh, that offensive line's got to find itself and got to solidify itself. But outside of that, this team could really be a lot more improved. And I do feel pretty confident and feel good about what the Raiders have going into the 2021 season. Thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. Next up is a call from my guy Jacob in Fresno, repping that 559. He's calling in to talk about the area of the defense that's going to be critical to the success of the team in 2021. Here he is, Jacob in Fresno. Hey, uh, this is the, past, the podcast. Really big fan. Uh, this is uh, Jacob from Fresno. You know, I was listening to the podcast earlier talk about how the secondary is usually the key to Gus Bradley's system. And while I do agree secondary is very important, I just think that the linebacking core needs to be the top players on your defense. You know, there's a guy that's flying all over the field, taking these tackles, dropping back into coverage, undercutting the uh, routes. You know, and right now with the Raiders, you know, a year ago, 
you know, the start of the 2020 season, Kowski and Littleton, you thought, wow, what a linebacking court. And they utterly disappointed, you know, granted with injuries, COVID protocol, and all that kind of stuff. It just messed them up. But now, you know, and I was really disappointed in us not going, you know, I'm doing it wrong. I love Alex Leatherwood, love the first round draft pick, improved our offensive line. But I really, really wanted a first round talent linebacker, which we didn't get. And if anything, we got as far as linebacking core, get another project player in uh, Diablo, kind of the same with Tanner Muse, of converting these safety hybrid types into linebackers. I just don't agree with that. I'd rather get some stud linebackers fly all over the field. You know, they're running down running back. They're dropping back into coverage. You know, Littleton could have been that guy, but I don't know. There he goes. That's Jacob in Fresno. Good call, my man. I appreciate you. And, yeah, the linebacking core, that's an area, man. I mean, you're, you're a man after my own heart. I've been talking about the linebacking core for quite a while. been talking about the fact that I'd love to see the Raiders go out there and get a high draft pick. That's a linebacker, a big-time alpha dog. been talking about that guy for quite a while. I know people get tired of hearing that word, alpha dog. But, yeah, I've been looking for the Raiders to get one of those guys, one of those sideline-to-sideline guys. But I will say Nicholas Morrow has an opportunity to go out there and be a big-time player. I think Corey Littleton's going to be a lot better this year. And Nick Wachowski, I feel like he was very solid in 2020. And to double down on Nicholas Morrow, John Gruden is a big fan of his. And so um, maybe there are some big things in store. Maybe Gus Bradley and, and Richard Smith, the linebacking coach, have said something about Nicholas Morrow. Here's John Gruden from Tuesday, his press conference, where he's talking about Nicholas Morrow. Check this out. He's one of my uh, most, uh, um, I guess, he might be one of my favorite players. This is his time. You know, if you know anything about Morrow, uh, you have to tell me where he went to college, where exactly that is. He comes from a very obscure background. Uh, if you watched him play college football, he was returning kickoffs. Uh, he was playing all over the place. He comes to the Raiders. He makes it as a rookie. He finds a way to get on the field. And now he's got a chance, I think, to be a captain for us. I think he's got a chance to be a different difference maker for us in the middle of our defense. But... Um, Time will tell. We've got a long way to go, but uh, I really like him. He's had a great spring, and um, I think he's on the rise. I think his time is right now. So there's pretty high praise right there from head coach John Gruden about Nicholas Morrow, and I know that John Gruden has a tendency sometimes to start gushing over a certain player and really kind of uh, talk about them and talk them up, and then ultimately ends up being nothing. But uh, I don't know. It seems pretty genuine, and I was there when he was talking, when John Gruden was talking with the media, and I felt like, you know what, he really does – like Nicholas Morrow, he was talking about what college he went to. He was a D3 guy. Nicholas Morrow, he actually talked to the media on Wednesday, and this is what he had to say about, you know, knowing where he came from, remembering, does he ever, like, take a step back and reflect? I, I believe Tashawn Reed from The Athletic asked this question, but here's Nick, Nicholas Morrow just responding to that question about taking a look back and, and seeing where he came from as a D3 guy. Uh, yeah, man, something that I think that grounds me a lot. All right, yeah. You can never forget where you come from. It, it definitely is your foundation. Um, I, I'm, I'm grateful. Like I, I'm really not supposed to be here, right? You know, Division three guy, all these other things, and to be able to to be in the league and, and be in the league as long as I have, I'm eternally grateful. And I, 
I don't take it for granted at all. So there's a very humble Nicholas Morrow right there. And Jacob, I bet you didn't think you were going to get a three-part answer, right? <laughs> Probably didn't think you were going to get an answer from me, John Gruden, and Nicholas Morrow. But there it is right there. And I'm sure a lot of folks at this point are saying, okay, well, I hear that he went to a D3 school. But what school was it? Well, it was Greenville College in Illinois. Greenville, Illinois. And it's funny if you actually go and Google him and look him up. And, uh, you know, it always has, like, on the Wikipedia page, notable alumni. You know who's a notable alumni for Greenville College? Nobody. Absolutely nobody. So you want to talk about a guy who came from some humble, humble uh, upbringings and, and, and really uh, worked his way up from a D3 school to being in the NFL and getting another contract from the Raiders? Uh, you got to give Nicholas Morrow a lot of credit, and that's why John Gruden is giving him a lot of credit. And maybe he's a guy who steps up and has a big, big role this year. I'm not saying he's going to, but, you know, you hear John Gruden hyping him up. So maybe maybe they got something in store for him. So uh, thank you for that call, Jacob. Definitely appreciate you. Next up, got a text from Raider Wilson from the 440. Yo, Q, it's Raider Wilson from the 440. I'm a new booty. Listening to the podcast for a few years. First time reaching out. I love the podcast. And since you joined LV Radio, been listening to your show live every day. Great work, my man. You do a great job of keeping my attention the whole show i find myself zoned out listening to most podcasts but not yours my question is how excited are you to watch marcus mariota in preseason i thought he played a good game when Carr got injured and i'm very excited to see him on the field again nothing against Carr, but i think mariota brings a different dynamic to the field that will catch teams off guard i feel like the raiders could use that to their advantage if they threw him in there once in a while uh what are your thoughts on that again that's from raider wilson from the 440 a new booty here on the lockdown raiders podcast and you know it's funny i've been talking about that for a while that i thought that there could be a package or two in there for him that he can be you know an offensive weapon maybe even the red zone use his legs and athleticism and the more and more I talk to people, including Mike Sando, who I talked on Wednesday on, uh, on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920, more people are starting to kind of not poo-poo it, but just say, Q, I don't, I don't think it's going to be really in the cards. Now, if John Green just wants to get super creative and have a little bit of fun with it, maybe he'll, he'll put him in a package here and there. But for the expectations that a lot of Raider Nation have, including myself, thinking, yeah, you know, they can use him as a weapon. A lot of people, a lot of these uh, big-time national guys, even Vic Tafer from The Athletic was like, yeah, I don't. I think he'll be used in case of emergency, but that's it, Q. I don't, I don't expect to see him being a part of the game plan weekly. So uh, it should be interesting. I, am, I do want to see him in, uh, in, in, in preseason because he was banged up quite a bit in 2020, so you didn't really get to see him too much. And maybe he shows a little something in, in the preseason where it's like, okay, well, maybe they could put him in. But uh, from the expectations of people I've been talking to, they don't think that Marcus Mariota is going to have a big role. He's just going to basically be Derek Carr's backup in 2021. We will see. We'll see how it shakes out. But thank you so much for that text. I definitely appreciate you. And that's really all the time I got for today. I still got a call, actually two calls from B Sturdy Raider in Carson City. I also got a call from Nick in Connecticut. I'll definitely get those on tomorrow. And uh, a text from 725 Raider. We'll get all that plus more. 707-654-4693. That is the number. Your calls and text tomorrow. More news and notes of the day as we close out the week really strong. And we'll see what else we're talking about here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. So until then, Raider Nation, enjoy day two of practice. Uh, you'll hear from Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, and some multiple players following that a little bit later. And of course, we'll recap that here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. So stay safe, take care of your family, do what you got to do. And most importantly, as always, Raider Nation, just win, baby.